Good morning to all of you. We are uh, glad that you are here with us. Uh, Steve is on a well-deserved vacation today, and I think he'll be back in about October. Uh, uh, he, he wasn't here last week, and uh, he's not here this week. He won't be here next week either uh, preaching, but uh, he'll be here the week after that. And uh, so uh, I am Brian Dillon, and I am the student minister here, and uh, I will be uh, bringing God's message today. So uh, a couple weeks ago, Howl's Mill had their, uh, one of their day camps, and we sent our son Judah to it. And so on the way home, we were talking to him about what he learned that day. And so he was kind of recounting the story of the Good Samaritan, the parable of the Good Samaritan that Jesus tells. And uh, so he did a, an excellent job kind of retelling, and he's five. And so he did a really good job. We were impressed. And so at the end, uh, I couldn't help myself. I said, you know, Judah, the interesting thing about that story is to the people that Jesus told that story to, the Good Samaritan was actually the bad guy. Like, they would have been shocked that the good guy, or the bad guy, was actually the hero. And he was, like, kind of chewing on it. And I said, you know, what it would have been like is, like, if this guy is beaten up by these bandits on the side of the road, and, like, Batman and Superman come by, and, and they just, like, decide that they've got other people to save, and they, say, they leave, and then, like, the Joker comes along, and he's, like, and he's actually the one that helps and is the hero. And it would have been, like, the bad guy, the Joker, is the hero. And so we went home that day. Like, he didn't really say much, but he went, we went home that day, and he started playing with this craft that had, like, the different people on it. He said, okay, so this one's Batman, and this one's Superman, and this one's the Joker. And Ashley just kind of looked at me with, like, that look that, like, a wife gives you sometimes, and I was like, where's the lie? And, like, at least he knows now. Uh, but I don't think she was as pleased as I was with myself. Uh, but... Uh, so there was kind of a, a plot twist uh, in that story, and we've kind of been talking about villains uh, for the month of July. We went through this whole series, and uh, the plot twist there was, we are the bad guys. We are the villains. And maybe you didn't see that coming, but our heart, our, our tongue, our love of money, and our pride, like these are the villains that live within us. And some, for some of us, we came uh, expecting like to feel good, and we left like yeah, like it, we had our toes stomped on. It was a little bit of a punch in the gut because it was that honest look at ourselves that said, man, I'm kind of villainous. Like I didn't even realize it. Uh, but the, we walked away from those messages like kind of feeling sore, like we'd been beat up. And whether that was the message or your spouse like elbowing you throughout the, the message, like it was not a feel-good time for, for most of it. And so we kind of wanted to transition out of that, right? And what does that look like? So we have this introspection. We see that we're not perfect, that there are villainous sides of us. Uh, but now, now what do we do with that, right? Now, how do we transition? Well, today we wanted to talk about kind of turning from villains and becoming vessels to be used by God, being filled with the power of Jesus, with the love of Jesus, and going out into the world and being vessels for him. And so we kind of wanted to look at, to begin today with uh, the book of James. He's the half-brother of Jesus. And James, we talked a little bit about in the villain series, but man, he, he has a lot of good stuff for such kind of a small book. But he writes in chapter one, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and immediate, or and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. 
But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. And so we didn't want to just look in the mirror at the, at the villains that are inside us and go, uh, I mean, yeah, I got some problems, but everybody's got problems. And then we immediately go back into our own vices, right? Or something happens, we get really busy, and we just forget about it, right? We do that a lot. We come, and a sermon might kind of punch us in the gut, but then just give it a few weeks, and you're okay again, right? And we're kind of back into where we're at. But we don't want to do that here. We want to see where, how we can turn the villains inside of us and put those aside and turn ourselves into vessels that can be used by God. We want to talk about being available. We want to talk about being available to be that vessel, to be used by God. Because Jesus, right before he left in Matthew 28, and a lot of you know this as the Great Commission, his last words were to go. He told the disciples to go and to teach and to baptize and make disciples of all nations. Don't stay where we're at. Don't just like hear my teaching and go, hmm, that's a good point, right? Like he's like, no, I want you to take everything that you've learned from me and then go out into the world and tell people about me and make followers of mine. And so a lot of times what we do, we have a tendency to do, is we see people in trouble. We see the, the guy along the side of the road that's been beat up, and we go, well, boy, I, I hope somebody comes along and, and really helps that guy out. I, I'm going to pray that somebody helps that guy out, because he really needs somebody right now, right? We like to stay in our comfort zone, and then we pray for God to move. God, move in a big way in this church, or move in a big way in our community, just let it be somebody else, right? I'm too busy. I got too much going on, and we like to pray for God to move. But if you, like, if you look through the Bible, God has always used people to deliver his messages and move in people's lives. It, 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 other than when God created the world, right? I can't remember a time that God went and it happened, right? God has always moved in people to further his message and further his mission. And so, that means we have to be available to be used by him. If we want God to move in our community, if we want God to move in our country or in our church or in the world in general, then we have to be the ones that are available to be used by him. And that means that sometimes we have to surrender to him. That means that we have to give up some things. That means we have to be available to him even when it doesn't make sense or even when he wants to use you in a way that you wouldn't expect. Sometimes he, he kind of moves in our life and we go, are you sure? Like, I don't know if I can do this. And we have to be ready to be used and, and trust in him even when it doesn't make sense. And really as Christians, that, this should be our main focus and mission, to, be, to make ourselves available, to, to spread the gospel to people that don't know it, to spread the love of Jesus to the people that need it. And, and to be, that should just be like all the other stuff should go aside. And this is what should be our main focus and the mission of our lives. But that's not the reality of how we live, right? That's not what our lives typically look like, right? I mean, we get distracted or, or by so many things that are kind of trivial and they don't really mean anything in the long run or, or we disqualify ourselves because, man, we think God could never use me because I don't know enough or you don't know my past, you don't know my shortcomings. And we disqualify ourselves from, from ever being considered to be used by God. And so this morning we wanted to talk about those two things a little bit more, the, the distractions in our life and the ways that we disqualify ourselves. And so our first point this morning is don't distract yourself. 
Uh, and we're going to start out in Acts chapter 9. And uh, if you know much about the, Old Te- uh, the New Testament, you've probably heard about a guy named Paul. Because Paul wrote most of the New Testament. You, it's hard to find a book. If you read any number of books, it's hard to find one that, that wasn't written by Paul. But before Paul was on this track to, to being a missionary and, and writing these books, he, was, he actually had a different name, and it was Saul. And Saul was a bad dude. Like, I don't, I don't know how, like, you picture Paul. Like, I've kind of, for some reason, pictured him as, like, this little scraggly guy. But, man, apparently I'm wrong, because Saul was a bad dude. He was a feared guy because he went around and, and hunted down Christians in the area, followers of the way, right? Jesus died, and they thought that they, they would snuff out the Christianity, but that wasn't true, right? And then thousands are being added to the number daily, and Paul is one of the people that's trying to, to snuff that out now. Now that Jesus is gone, now we got to get rid of the followers. And if we can just get rid of the followers everywhere, then we can start uh, we can get all this blasphemy gone, right? And, and rid our world of this little stain that these people have created. And, and so he's going all around and he's basically like a Christian bounty hunter. Like he's going and he's like, I want to go into the, I want to go to these places. I want to get rid of them. And so he decides he's going to go to the city of Damascus and he's going to wipe out all of the Christians, all the followers of the way that are there. And see, Paul had all this. He got a little confused because just like kind of the Pharisees when Jesus was around, he doesn't think this is the way that God's moving. He thinks that Jesus is a fraud or a fake or a crazy guy or whatever. And and he thinks, man, this guy is preaching blasphemy and now all these people believe it and now they're furthering it. And we just need to stop it because this is not of God. He had, Paul or Saul had a blurred vision of God's mission and plan in this world. And let's be honest, once he started to hunt down these people, he probably became so consumed with getting rid of all of them that he didn't care anymore, right? He lost his perspective. He, he had a closed mind on what God might be doing. He said, no, this is the way I'm getting rid of all of them. And he became obsessed with ridding, ridding the world of these Christians. And so he decided, I'm going to hunt them all down. So he's on the way to Damascus, and then his life changed forever. Because we see in Acts chapter 9, verse 3, that he had a little bit of an encounter with Jesus. Some, maybe you have had an encounter with Jesus, maybe a little bit similar to this. But we're going to read through this uh, together, verses 3 through 18 in Acts chapter 9. As he, Saul, was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting. You can imagine that he's probably a little freaked out right now because he's like, oh my goodness, you're real. But he, okay, here we are. So now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. It's a ghost. There's something weird going on. There's a voice, but there's nothing to see. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. What a trip that must have been. They had to lead him by a blind man all that way. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision calling, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street. Now, 
I think that intersects uh, with Diagonal Street, and uh, we can look it up on a map later, maybe. But all right, go over to Straight Street, the house of Judas, to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias. I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. God, do you know who this guy is? Like, do you know? Because I know. Like, this guy's reputation precedes himself. He's taking people, people like me, out. And you're I feel like you're setting me up, God. I feel like this is like a Daniel Lyons Den situation. All right. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. Jesus, or God, you're going to get me arrested. But the Lord said, God, go, for Saul, go for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the kings as well as to the, to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly. Something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Paul had a pretty blurred vision of what God was doing until he encountered Jesus. And then the scales fell from his eyes. He was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he saw God's plan and his son Jesus clearly for the first time. And instantly his life was changed. He got baptized, and right after this, he goes and he starts preaching to the Gentiles. And he can, just like Ananias, you can imagine they're a little like, what? Like, who is this guy was just killing people, and now he's preaching to us? It seems like a pretty quick change here, right? And he's with the apostles. Even the apostles are a little, like, antsy, like, this is, this, yes, yes it is. Okay, so, but Paul was so distracted by what he thought was important in the world, the, the things that he thought, the ways that he thought that God was moving, that he couldn't see what God was actually doing in his life or in the life, lives of those around him or in the world as a whole. And his impact, Paul's impact and his reach was infinitely greater once he allowed himself to be used by Jesus. Because as Saul, he was going around and, and killing these Christians, but would we even know who he was today had he not changed his life forever? Because you know that the church of Jesus was not going to be overcome. He was never going to be able to root out the mission of Jesus. And so he would have been maybe remembered as a guy that tried, but probably never, not even remembered at all. But when he gave his life to Jesus, when he made himself available to be used by God, he became the greatest missionary in, in the history of Christianity. He, he, all the apostles, even though Jesus told them, them to go, you know, they stayed in Jerusalem. They were like, oh, we're good. We're just going to stay here for a while, right? They got a little scared, and they stayed in Jerusalem. So Jesus then goes to Paul and says, I need you to go out and go to the Gentiles, the people that need to hear about me. And he did. He went all throughout the region. And then he wrote all these books. And so how many lives have been changed and impacted because Paul said, yes, yes, Lord, I'll go, right? How many lives then and today still are being changed because Paul made himself available and he said, yes, Lord, I'll do whatever it looks like. And just like Paul was a little blurred vision or distracted, we, we get a little distracted in our own lives, right? We... <laughs> We get distracted by things like Facebook or, or, or social media in general. And maybe that's just as a time waster. 
Maybe we, we spend, you can look at your screen time and you spend hours on Facebook looking at stuff, but then when it comes to the end of the day, you fall asleep trying to read your Bible or have quiet time with God. Maybe you get, we get distracted by political arguments, right? It, it used to be, it, it should be that we're united by Christ, but now it seems like we're united by Christ unless you're a Democrat or unless you're a Republican. You know, like we come to a certain point, but we're still divided even as the body of Christ because of our political beliefs. Uh, maybe we're distracted by sports, and that can be uh, like the, the teams that we cheer for and the money that we spend on, on going to stuff, and, and that leaves us with no money to give to anybody. But then also we get, we get distracted by our kids' sports and, and traveling sports and all the time and effort that has to go into that. And we find ourselves, we haven't been in church in three months because we've been traveling every weekend, or we haven't been able to have quiet time with God because I've been too busy planning meals and hotels and travel arrangements. We become distracted by our careers and that, and that next promotion or all the, the heavy workload that we have. We find ourselves working 60, 70, hour, 80 hours a week, and there's no longer a dividing line between our business life and our personal life anymore. And we don't even have time. We can't even focus on God's Word or, or a quiet time with Him because we're just thinking about what we have to do tomorrow. We get consumed and, and distracted by dating and maybe it's the search for the right one. Or even when we find somebody, we start to lower our standards a little bit. We used to be on fire for Jesus, but then this person came along and we're like, well, they're pretty good looking, so I think like, well, maybe I'll just lower this a little bit, right? We get distracted by our dating life. We get distracted by a lot of things. And the fact is that we can win every argument or every trophy, every scholarship, every promotion, and our impact on the world wouldn't even be a blip on the radar compared to the impact that we can have by sharing the love of Jesus with somebody and sharing his story with people that need to hear it. Jesus says in John 15, apart from me, you can do nothing, nothing. We can do nothing without Jesus. Like all the things that we tie ourselves up with and get distracted by and get angry over and obsess over and ultimately just distract ourselves with will mean nothing because they're apart from Jesus. They'll, they'll all fade away. But then just a few verses later, Jesus says, this is my command, love each other. Because love, see, love is different. Because when you love somebody the way that Jesus loves you, you can change the course of somebody's life forever. No longer will you be a blip on the historical radar. You will have an, a huge impact on that person's life, and you will be remembered forever. I mean, think about it in your own life. Like, how many trophies have you kept from Little League or high school or even college, right? Even if you have them, they're probably stuffed in your parents' closet somewhere, right? And they're like, they want you to get rid of them. Or then they're in a box in the garage, they're like, when are they going to come get these? Right? They've got dust all over them because you got third place in the county swim meet or something. You know, like, the, the trophies are, have long been forgotten. How long does it take for the things that we buy that are, were once new and amazing and so exciting to become old and tattered and needing to be replaced? How quickly do we become discontent in that new promotion at work? And how is it that even when we get the raise, we still don't have any money, right? We still are living paycheck to paycheck. All of these things eventually fade away. But the memory of when somebody reached out to you in love, the times that, that people have showed compassion to you or, or listened to you when you just needed somebody to be there, 
or helped you when you felt beaten up and left for dead. Those are memories that will last forever. And so let us not become distracted by the trivial things in our world. Let's cast them aside and love people and share Jesus with people. The second thing we want to talk about today is don't disqualify yourself. You know, going back to this story about Saul becoming Paul, you know, Ananias' reaction was one that many of us would probably share. Like, are, are you sure, God? Are we talking about the same Saul? Because this dude, I, I'm, you're putting me in a really bad place right here, right? And sometimes that's what happens when we make ourselves available. Sometimes it doesn't make sense or it seems dangerous and it, you can't really see what God's doing. But in, this, in the case of Saul and Ananias, God was working in two places at once to bring them together. And so Ananias, he, man, he's definitely skeptical. He's like cautious. I don't know if I want to do this. Like, are you serious? This guy, this guy is, gonna, is your chosen instrument. Do you know what he's been up to? And who could blame Ananias, right? You, have, you fear for your own safety in these situations. I, I, I don't know, God. I feel like there's somebody else that could do this or like there's another way. Maybe this could happen. And so who could blame him for being skeptical? Like if the leader of Planned Parenthood came out and made a statement tomorrow and said, I've given up everything and I'm actually pro-life now, would you take it at face value or would you be like, hmm, let's see, let's see how this plays out because I, I think we have like a spy situation going on. Like I, I don't trust this, uh, she's lying, or whatever it might look like. Or, or if, if Boko Haram, the terrorist group, suddenly came out as like an evangelical missions group or like maybe like a singing choir. Like, would you want them to come to Gateway the first Sunday? Like, nope, they can go. Uh, maybe let's test them out somewhere else, far away from here. Or at least let's give Corey a wand at the, you know, like, wah, wah, you know, like let's give him something at the door. Because I'm a little skeptical about what you like. Do you know what they've been up to? And, and so just like that, Ananias was skeptical too. But you know what? He still made himself available. Even though it didn't make sense, even though he didn't understand it, he said, okay, I'll do it. I'll go lay hands on him. Let's go. Because he said, you know what? He's my chosen instrument. And even though it didn't make sense, Ananias heard that and he trusted God. Even when his past seemed shady, he was like, okay, I'm going for it. You know what? Sometimes we're Ananias about ourselves. We're Ananias about our past and our sin and our failures and our shortcomings and our faults. And we say, God, are you sure about me? Like, do you know what? You know what I've done. You know me. Like, you know that I'm not good at this. You know I don't know enough. You know I can't talk to people. And there's been a lot of people that have, been, that have tried to talk God out of using them, and they still got used in the end, right? And, and so sometimes we're Ananias about ourselves. And just like God said that Paul was his chosen instrument— he says you're his chosen instrument too. Because if God can use anything, if the God that you pray to, the God that created all the galaxies and everything you see outside, and, and the, the one you pray to for healing and protection and strength and comfort, if you believe that that God is all-powerful, then he can use you. God can use whatever he wants and he can use you. I mean, throughout the Bible, God used unqualified people with a shady, dirty past to move his plan along in really big ways. We talked about at the beginning, he's always using people. And most of those people that you read about were people you'd be like, oh, I don't know, right? They're not the first person on the list that you might pick. But God still used them in big ways to move his mission along. I mean, look at it this way. If God can use a donkey to further his mission, then he can use you too. And I know there's some like wives that are like, see, I told you. So 
But what does that look like? Well, in a, in Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, uh, this is like, just like an awesome, one of the best uh, verses in the Bible to me. But Paul says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God, right? Talk about big butts of the Bible. This is like here, right? But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you have been saved. There is nothing that we have done. It is only by God's grace. And why? For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You might think that you are nothing, that you could never be used by God, but each one of us is God's masterpiece. We have been saved by the blood of Jesus to do things that he planned long ago. And some of you are living like you're still dead in your, tra- your past transgressions instead of the masterpiece that you truly are. We have been made alive by his grace to do the good work that he has set before us, and there's nothing you could ever do to change that. There's nothing you could ever do to separate you from God's love, and nothing that could ever dis- disqualify you from being used by him. So stop disqualifying yourself. And that brings us to Isaiah. Isaiah uh, is an amazing book. He's one of the prophets. And one of the really cool things about Isaiah is that he actually prophesied the coming of Christ like hundreds of years before. But before all that, he had to answer the call. He had to make himself available, and I want to read about that now. So this is Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. Isaiah says, It was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, and have, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. They were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, it's all over. I'm doomed, for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips. How many of us have tried? No, I can't. I'm too, I've done too much. I've, I can't come back from this. I've sinned too much. This is something, I, I know God, you say that I can be saved, but this is worse. That's Isaiah, right? I'm doomed. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking, right after that, then I heard the Lord asking, Whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And I said, Isaiah. Isaiah said, Here I am. Send me. And he, God, said, yes, go and say this to the people. 
And we go through that, and Isaiah, he tries everything he can to disqualify himself. God, is, he's too holy. I can't even look at him. I'm doomed. I've done too much. My past is too filthy. I am too filthy. And they bring over that coal, and they touch his lips, and they say, your guilt's removed, and your sins are forgiven. And right after that, Isaiah makes himself available. His sins are forgiven, and now I can say, uh, here I am. Send me. I'll go. Like a third grader, right? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Send me. Send me. Right? He makes himself available. He's eager to go out there now that his sins have been forgiven. And immediately after that, immediately after God, that Isaiah makes himself available, God uses him. He said, all right, let's do it. Let's go. And just like Isaiah, all of us, your sins have been forgiven. So whatever you think disqualifies you, something in your past, something you're tied up in now, a shortcoming, a fall, whatever you think disqualifies you, Jesus is the ultimate coal on your lips. Your guilt has been removed, and your sins have been forgiven. That means that the distractions in your life are the only thing standing in your way to make yourself available, the only thing standing in your way from being used. And so when is the last time that you stopped and said, you know what, God, whatever it looks like, I want want to make myself available to be used by you. And I may not understand it. It may take me places that I'm not comfortable. It may take me places that I don't understand, but I want to be used by you. When's the last time you said, here I am, send me, eagerly. Here I am, let me do it, let me do it. I want to reach these people, God. Use me. You know, in today's world, uh, we can give ourselves a lot uh, of different titles. Uh, That's the beauty of social media, really, is you get to write your own bio, right? Somebody's not writing it about you. How would it look if somebody wrote your bio about you? But all of our stuff is autobiographical, and you can be whoever you want to be for a while, all right? I I could put on there that I'm a major league baseball player, and people might believe that until they saw a picture of me or until they saw some of my posts. You know, it's, it's kind of funny because there is an Irish author that shares my name uh, on Twitter, and, and so he is Brian Dillon, and so I get a lot of, like, recognition for his essays and stuff. You know, people will, like, tag me. I even have it in my bio that I'm not an author to try, like, because I feel bad for the guy, because uh, they'll always be like, what a great essay by Brian Dillon. I'm like, uh, thanks. You know, like, I feel like you're coming to the wrong place. Uh, all because I jumped on the bandwagon and I got my name first, you know, and I, I'm waiting for the check to, sw- I'll switch if you pay. Anyway, so, Anyway, but I could totally play that up and be like, yep, you know, distinguished author, have written essays about all this stuff. And I could try to play up to that persona because I can write whatever I want in my about me section. I can write whatever I want in my bio and make people think that I am it. And man, people do that all the time. People write things like, you know, God first, or Jesus freak, or, or, or that they're just a Christian, or a Christ follower, or God and country, and that you can write a bunch of different things, and then you look at their post, or you look at their shares, and you're like, really? Right? Like, the, the proof comes out. But at first, we can write whatever we want in there, and make people think we're something we're not. But you know what John says in the book of 1 John? He says, your children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let's not just say that Jesus is first. Let's not just say that God is first or that I'm a Jesus freak or that I, that I love Christ. Let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth so we will be confident when we stand before God. You can put whatever you want in that bio, but when you stand before God, he's going to know the truth. And even if we feel guilty by our past, God is greater than those feelings. 
So even when we mess up, even when we feel guilty and we feel disqualified, God is greater than our feelings and he knows everything. He knows all that you've done and he still says, you are worthy. Come help me. And so this morning... It's time to let go of the guilt that we felt in our life. It's time to stop disqualifying ourselves. It's time to stop distracting ourselves and get rid of all the trivial things that stand between us and Jesus and our mission and what our focus should be. And that is reaching people that don't know him, reaching out to the people that are left on the side of the road, beaten and battered and in need of compassion and love. And let's let Jesus turn us from villains to vessels. Let's pray. Father, we, we are so thankful, first and foremost, for the sacrifices of Jesus, Jesus Christ. Because without that, none of this would even be possible. We couldn't have a relationship with you. We couldn't be used by you. But because of that sacrifice and because of your Holy Spirit, each one of us can be a vessel for what you're doing in this world. Father, I, I pray that that your spirit would fill our hearts and we would leave here today looking for ways to make ourselves available. That people would know that we are your followers by the way that we love, by our actions, not just by our words or our attendance or whatever it might look like. Father, I'm so thankful that you let us be vessels of your power, of your love. And I pray that we wouldn't take that lightly, that you're sharing that gift with us so we can reach people for you. You're letting us be a part of your plan, and I pray that we would hear that and see that and take it seriously. Get rid of all the distractions in our life. We would stop disqualifying ourselves and say, here I am, send me. Use me to reach people for you. It's your name we pray, amen. You know, some of us, uh, we're not carrying the load that we could because we've become too distracted by things that don't even really matter. We started letting the world do all the work that we should be doing because we're too busy arguing and distracting ourselves with trivial things. See, when we look in the mirror, when we write our bio, we might see Batman or Superman, but the truth is we're letting the jokers or the bad guys in our mind of the world do our work for us. They're the ones that are reaching out to people that need love and need compassion And they're not asking any questions. There's no strings attached. They're just loving them. You may not agree with all that, but the fact is that Jesus said the most important commandment was to love each other. So let's actually start being the Batman and Superman that people need and stop letting the the chokers of the world come up and clean up where we should be at. Let's let the distractions in our life fall to the ground like scales from our eyes so we can see Jesus clearly and be available to be used by him fully. You know, we sang a song right as we led into the message today, and it, um, it was probably new for most of you, and we've never sang it in, in a service before, uh, and it's called Available. And uh, I actually heard this song for the first time about four or five weeks ago, and man, it just like God started doing something inside my heart. And I've probably listened to it, I don't know how many times since then. Um, And it's still something stirs within me when I hear this song because this is what it's all about. And as I started thinking about the message for today, God kept working on me and kept working on me. And it, it became, hey, we can go from being villains to vessels. 
And, and so I, I reached out to the worship team and I said, well, hey, this is what kind of the, the message is about. This is the inspiration. This song is the inspiration for the message and kind of where we're going to be going. And then I was like uh, over the moon when they said, you know what, I think we're going to sing it. And so it may take you a minute. It's kind of repetitive as most are, but, uh, but I think you can get it. And I hope that you'll open up your heart and say, you know what, here I am. I'm ready to be used by you. I'm available to be used by you because really nothing else matters than being used by God right now. And so uh, I'm going to be up here uh, to, to your right. I'll have my mask and I'll be ready to talk to you. Maybe you have, you're like Paul and you've seen that you need to make a change in your life and you need to be baptized. You know, Paul had the scales fall from his eyes. He, the blindness was gone and he said, all right, I need to change my life. I'm ready to change my life and I got baptized. And so maybe that's you today. Maybe you want to join in on what we're doing here at Gateway and be a part of this family. We'd love to have you join us in membership. And we'd love to talk to you a little bit more about that. Or maybe you just need prayer right now. Maybe there's stuff going on in your life and you just need somebody to pray with you, pray over you with, for that. Or maybe, maybe God's speaking to your heart this morning. You say, I don't know what it looks like to be more available, but I want to be. And maybe you need prayer for that too. Whatever decision or whatever God might be putting on your heart right now, I'd love to pray over you and talk with you about it. I'll be up here to the right as we sing this final song.